Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. All right, welcome back to the rest of the sermon. Man, it's been a little while since we got to talk to you guys. Thanks for being patient with us. I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving with your family and your friends and your loved ones. Uh, We had a great one at the Jordan House. We travel, do a couple different family Thanksgivings. It was jam-packed. Things were awesome. This past Sunday, we launched into the very first Sunday of Advent. And man, let me tell you, the energy was awesome in the room. The building is festive. We got some cool lights streamed across our chapel, which is like super rad. And this year, we're just doing sort of a traditional Advent. We're doing um, each Sunday with the word or the theme. So this past Sunday was hope. This coming Sunday will be love. But really quickly up front in the podcast, this Sunday is our Kids Side at West Side Christmas program. And we are pumped about this. There will be two of my very, or actually all three of my kids have speaking parts this year. And I'm super jazzed about that. And they are excited. They've been memorizing their parts. So we're super excited about that. But listen, on today's podcast, I am so excited excited. I told you guys a little while back, you've been up to date on the journey, the rest of the sermon family, about the awesome transition and change that's taken place at Westside. This past summer, Westside in August officially became a Grace Family Church, which is a family of churches based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and it's just been an awesome ride. And I've been telling you guys that you're going to be hearing from some fellow Grace pastors. Well, today on the podcast, we will be hearing from Mr. Ben Hardman. Mr. Ben Hardman has been a coach Uh, to me. He has been a pastor to me, but more than all of that, this guy has been a friend to me. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mr. Ben Hardman on the podcast. Hey Ben, how are you, buddy? Hey buddy, how are you, man? I like the mister. I don't, I don't, I don't get mister a lot. So I appreciate, uh, yeah, I appreciate the Mister title. Just kind of jazzes it up a little bit, you know. Yeah, it makes <laughs> me feel way more official. Like whenever I hear that, I think of my dad, like Mister Hardman. Yeah, I right. My dad. <laughs> but you know what's weird is like the way that you view that to your dad. That's the way our kids kind of view us when people talk about it us, is. and it's weird. And I'm super old now too. It's weird, man. Hey, did you guys have a good Thanksgiving, buddy? Yeah, it was great. It was great. It was just real laid back at home. Awesome. A couple, we have a little bit of family here in town, so we spent some time with them. It was great. Awesome. Dude, did you watch that Alabama football game the other day? I did not because I was grieving from the previous football game. <laughs> the Ohio. I'm from Ohio. Yeah, I know. From I thought Ohio. about and, you. And when you grow up in Ohio, man, there's no, like, I, I try and tell people this. People don't understand, but when you grow up in Ohio, there's no other option than to be in Ohio. State sure. Because there's nothing else good in the whole state. <laughs> It's the only thing we have uh, when we're in Ohio. And so we lost to our rival. It was the first time we've lost to them in 10 years. Wow. So I, I didn't guess, know that. 
I guess you have to like give them one occasion. Like we got to tithe like 10% every, you know, one out of every 10 years. You got to give back. That's great. I tell you what, I, I did not watch that game because I was grieving over the first game. Sure. I get it. I tell you what, I agree. I saw our good friend Dave Rhodes tweet out, you know, with the snowflakes um, and the rivalry. This is about as good as it gets in college football. And I agree. It was pretty fun. That's that awesome. Pretty amazing. That's yeah. really good. Well, I'm glad you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Hey, Ben, why don't you just tell us um, a little bit about yourself, a marriage, kids, ministry, just sort of the elevator pitch. If we're on the first floor and we're going to the 10th, who's Ben Hardman, man? Yeah, so I pastor uh, the Grace Marietta campus of the Grace family. Marietta is the first suburb north of Atlanta. Yeah. And I've been here for five years. Uh, I run an organization called Kingdom Dreams Initiative uh, that is training leaders to launch the kingdom dream that's inside of them. So uh, missions, organizations, nonprofits, ministries, uh, church plants, micro churches, all kinds of fun things um, where we kind of have a lot of leaders that come to us and say, I've got this dream in my heart. I want to launch it. We come alongside them and help them kind of launch the kingdom thing that God's prepared for them in advance. So cool. Um, which is super, super fun. That's new. I've, I've just been doing that for the last six months. Yeah. So that's kind of my new thing that I've been doing. Um, I've been married to my wife, Sarah, for a long time, uh, <laughs> 21 years now. Wow. Uh, Good for you. Years on, it'll be 22 this month. Um, and I've got three kids. I've got a 19-year-old who's at college, uh, Cole. Uh, he's a musician, uh, loves music. He's studying uh, to be a worship pastor at Lee University in Tennessee right now. Wow. We're super proud of him. My son, Caden, is 17. He's a junior in high school. Basketball season just started for him, so we're hitting all the tournaments and those kinds of things for the yep. holiday. He's in Augusta this weekend, which is like two and a half hours away from us, so we're trying to figure out how to okay. get all his games. And then my daughter is 12, going on 17, <laughs> uh, and uh, she's amazing. Um, she's adopted from Ethiopia and uh, is just incredibly smart, awesome young lady. Super Jesus cool. And is doing a lot of cool stuff. She's really a good leader in our student ministry program. We're really proud of her. I love it, man. Ben, you've got, you are a highly blessed and favored man. you got a beautiful family, bro. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Most of that's because of Sarah, but yeah. Amen. Amen. For sure. I always say, uh, John Kennedy used to say, I'm John. I'm the one who escorts Jackie around. And that's just kind of what I say. <laughs> as well. I escort Courtney around. So, but by yeah. far the most important question, Ben, is out of all of the Jordan shoes, one through, I think we're oh. at like 56 or something like that now, or maybe 35 or something, which one's your favorite Air Jordan? That's that's the most important oh, question. Man, that's a, that, is a good, that is a good one. I, I, I'm, I'm old school, so it's always the one. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I, I love the kind of retro release of all of them with all the different colors and all of those different things. Yep, I agree. Because um, there's just so many different options that you can get, which is really fun. So yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I have one pair uh, <laughs> and I'd like to get another. Okay. Uh, I'm working on it. All right. But my so, son has like piles and piles of them. Like yes. He loves them. And he's, a, he's like a sneakerhead. So he's always getting 
like different. I love it. Well, dude, listen, it is, it's an investment now. Some of these shoes that you and I were wearing when we were kids, goodness gracious, that's a semester of college right there or something. Yeah, we should have saved the ones that we had back when we were in high school. Even making bank, even if they were in terrible condition. Yes. Yeah. And even you, do you remember the old school starter jackets, the pullover starter jackets? Dude, those are so, those are like $250 now or something like that. Unbelievable, man. I love it. I love it. Ben is a fellow Jordan enthusiast, so we always have to check each other's feet whenever we're around. So I love it. I love it. Hey, Ben, so um, our people have just been introduced and are on this journey of what it is to be a Grace Family Church, which has just been an awesome journey and really just God's sovereignty, man. Um, A couple years ago, just to give you guys a recap, um, Westside was experiencing some growth and looked at a consulting company, but that didn't really operate like a consulting company. When you say that, that sounds very businessy. Um, this organization that Ben was a part of was really focused on the health of churches and the health of those churches coming from the teachings of Jesus. And so that's how I met Ben. He became my coach. And just through natural conversation, one thing led to another. And now we're officially a Grace Church. And so, Ben, for you, what does it mean for you to be a grace pastor? And as not so much, you know, I'll ask you, what does it mean for your people to be a grace church, but you particularly mm-hmm. as a lead pastor, what does it mean for you to be amongst the grace pastors? Yeah, yeah, so that's a great question. So, uh, you know, about five years ago is when we came here, and Sarah and I had kind of gone, we were were a part of the church and we were really on the missional frontier pretty heavily. So we were raising support. We were doing a lot of things that like we were working with college students and the urban poor. Mm. And so we would pass the offering plate and we would get like parking tickets and Cheetos. Like there was (laughs) nothing, there, there was no money for anything that we were doing. And, um, and it was, it was tough. You know, our kids were young. We were, I was like a full-time fundraiser and a full-time pastor and all these different things. And so I I got recruited to join a couple different consulting agencies at that point to just do some coaching with pastors and leaders, which I love. Like, I love it to this day. I I love that you say it was relational and not corporate because I think that's my heart is I don't want to just throw out principles. I want to be in relationship with people. So we left, you know, I stopped pastoring for a while and we, kind of went and did the consulting coaching thing and I was traveling all over the place and doing lots of things but it was really difficult on our family because our kids were getting older at that point and we weren't rooted in a local church Mm. and in a local congregation and and truth be told we had been wounded pretty deeply by some local church experiences yeah uh, and so about five years ago, we were kind of like, Hey, we don't want our kids to grow up and go through middle school and high school and be disconnected to the church and be traveling mm. to a different church every weekend to hear daddy speak and not be rooted in a student ministry and rooted in a discipling org and those kinds of things. And then Sarah and I were just like, we, I missed preaching. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love preaching and I, I missed, you know, just pastoring and different people in our home and, uh, and so we took a step back a little bit from the coaching consulting thing and kind of started doing that part time and started looking for a place to be a part of. And, and we really like for us, what really connected us to grace was one, we trusted them. Mm. Um, uh, and, and, and for me, I've been here five years and there's certain 
organizations, I know this from consulting, that look great from the outside and you get under the hood and it's just like, oh, this is a hot mess. Yep. Uh, and I can honestly say that the closer I get to the center of what's happening at Grace, the more I trust the leaders and the yeah. integrity of the organization and of the people involved. And so we were looking for a place that we could trust and a place that wasn't going to kind of use us up as a commodity and kind of burn us up as pastors. A yes. lot of pastors just kind of get abused and used. And it's it's a difficult life sometimes, especially when your kids are young and you're trying your best to love everybody and serve everybody. Um, but we also wanted to be a part of an organization that was dreaming. And so <laughs> we didn't want to go somewhere that was like, we're not, we don't have any dreams for the future or we don't have any vision for what's next. We wanted to be a part of somebody that was actually taking kingdom ground yeah, and amen. was dreaming big for the kingdom. So the rooted renegade nature of the Grace family was so, so appealing to yes. us. Um, you know me, Jason, so I'm a Bible guy. I, I, I want to walk in the ways of Jesus and I want to be rooted in the word and I want to be rooted in um, a ministry that looks like the early church and, yes. and builds our foundation that, that kind of dreams of a modern expression of an early church movement. And so we were really just connected to grace at the start because it felt like a place that was dreaming big dreams, but was not martyring their pastors in the process. That's good, man. Um, And so for us, that was the big thing. So what, sorry, I went a long way around. No, that's good, man. No, for, for, for us, it was huge because, um, we wanted to be a part of a family where we were loved and cared for, for who we were. Yep. Uh, and not for just what we could offer to the church. Yep. Um, and we wanted to be in the trenches with real leaders and, and other people that were with us. Yeah. Uh, and we wanted to be around people that we could trust. And yeah. so when we visited Marietta, we went to Marietta right after Buddy had passed away. Okay. So Buddy had passed away and they called me and said, hey, we've got this campus. We don't know what to do with it. And the church truthfully was kind of floundering at that point. There was like 60 to 80 people. All of them were a little burned out at that time. Yeah. It was more like a launch team than an actual church. Right. Um, but when we got there on the ground and we just started spending time with some of these leaders, we just were like, this is the place. Yeah. And uh, our kids affirmed that. And, uh, yeah, we're so grateful for the last five years and to be a part of this this movement. It's been Amen. really wonderful. I would have to agree. I think some of the language that you said is a almost verbatim the exact language. Westside was on a journey. I mean, ever since I had gotten there, um, I've been there about seven years. Since day one, I knew that we, because because it's what you said, we're, we're people of the word. And when I look in the New Testament, I see a family of churches. I see, you know, to the churches in Galatia and stuff like that. And so from day one, that was our heart. But man, going on that journey was at one point, honestly, almost very disheartening for us and the leadership at Westside because there were these networks and organizations where it was like signing contracts and do, I mean, it was like, here's the logo and the brand. And it was very exactly what you said, contractual, not relational. But from day one, it was so appealing. The more and more I met a grace pastor or kept talking to the grace people, 
it was a highly relational process. And, yeah. and, and, and I think our people picked up on that on, on day one as well. What about your church when it comes to the average church member there at Grace Marietta or even um, your leadership team? So whether it be the kids mm-hmm. person or the youth person or your associate pastor, what does it mean to your people to be a Grace Family Church? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's carrying the DNA of uh, of Grace. So that rooted renegade nature yeah. uh, is a big part. And and what's fun about Grace is there's certain people that we connect with who I, I just had breakfast with a new guy to the, from the church who was just like, man, I'm so connected to the dreams. Like you guys are just dreaming big dreams. Uh, I love that you're out there on the fringes. That you're there's no box that's holding you in that you're willing to wreck the roof to get to Jesus. Like yeah, I love man. that about yeah. you guys. And, and, uh, and so he, he connected through kind of the, the renegade nature of grace. Um, but you, the last week I, I had a phone call with somebody new to the church who was just like, man, I love that you teach the Bible. I love that you walk exegetically through the scriptures. Like I love the fact that you are a local church in a local community and yes. that you're building a park for your community. And so, uh, it's the rooted nature that takes hold for them. So I think for a lot of people, it's kind of the, the DNA of vision and values, Amen. Uh, the rooted and renegade nature, the neighborhoods, nations, next generation, uh, focus. Uh, I think that's where our people feel the kind of DNA of what it feels like to be, uh, a grace church absolutely, and, and, and benefit from it. And then I, I also will say it's really fun to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Amen. Uh, and so our churches at Westside and, and Marietta are around the same size. Um, but it's really fun to know, like on any given Sunday, um, we're celebrating what's happening for you guys. Like a few weeks ago, you guys had baptisms and you're sending me things and we're celebrating. Like, yes. That's our family. Yes. Right? That's, that's happening in our family. That's yep. good news. Um, and, and then, then we had baptisms coming up last week and I sent you some pictures and yep. said, Hey, look, and, and so just being able to know, um, we're part of something bigger than ourselves. I think we can do more together than we can do on our own. Amen. And so I think that's exciting as well. Amen. I, yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree. I think hearing our people at Westside, there was a season Westside was in a little bit similar condition. There were 25 votes cast for me to be pastor. That was everybody, their cousin, their dog, and and all of that (laughs) stuff. And so there was a season where we kind of had to do like CPR on ourselves. It was good and right for us to focus internally. But when that season quickly left, we realized, oh, man, our external focus here— we, we don't have a clear external focus. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, we want to be working where God is already working. We want to partner with what God is already yeah. doing. And more and more, once we kept hearing the sort of grace story and the Rooted and Renegade initiative and all of those things, and um, the Muslim initiative catalyzing uh, the Jesus movements in the Muslim world, all of those things were just huge for us as well, for sure. Um, ben, you've been somebody that has been in the big C church world, the evangelical world for a long time. And I love having conversations with you just because I believe, I don't want to use the phrase cutting edge, but I believe that you have sort of an apostolic gifting that you always want to be pushing back darkness. You want to be in the battlefront. And so 
when it comes through COVID and all of that type of stuff, there's been a lot of change that has happened in the big C church. But when you, Ben Hardman with Kingdom Dreams Initiative, also a local pastor, also a part of the Grace Family of Churches, when you look at the big C church as a whole, what do you see in like 10 years, man? What's changed? Where do you believe God is working? Where is the sifting happening? What do you see? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think COVID accelerated some things. Yep. Uh, and I, I'm not sure that we know the full consequences of that. So in, in our culture right now, there's lots of conversations about what the great resignation Yep. where people are talking about how so many people have left their jobs, CEOs, uh, the whole and, deal, uh, like all, from all, all the spectrum over yep. COVID and kind of what does that mean? So like local restaurants that can't find workers to big companies that are struggling to find people. Um, so there's some, there's a cultural moment happening within that. Uh, I think there's a similar cultural moment that happened in the church over the last two years. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm guessing numbers I'm reading early on are around 33% of pastors left their job yep. in the last two years because it was difficult and challenging. And then there was a weight on pastors that, uh, was just interesting. I mean, yeah. it's just, uh, I feel like people lashed out at caregivers. Uh, and mm. so there was some kind of weird, uh, cultural moment there happening as well. So I think that has really big, uh, implications for the church. Uh, the other thing is just the mass exodus from the church. I, yeah. I think like, um, it, it really filtered down a lot of the folks that were just consumeristic, kind of, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of here, but we're not really here kind of folks are gone now. They're they're choosing to watch online or not attend at all, or just found it easier over the last, you know, couple of years to just not attend church. Um, My prayer and my hope is that a lot of those folks come back and return. Sure. Um, But, but, uh, but if you think about that, if, if, uh, if 25 to 33% of our members left, if 25 to 33% of our leaders left, that would also mean that 25 to 33% of our funding left as well. Yep. Uh, and I think that just accelerates um, some of the cultural things that we're seeing happen in the church in Europe. Uh, yep. And so many of the same ways um, that the church has lost some of its influence and power in uh, some European countries. I feel like that's, that's happening here. So um, the challenge for us is uh, I think finances are going to be a real challenge. I think we've got to figure out ways to generate uh, dollars for the church that don't just come from charitable giving. And yeah. so I, I think churches need to be thinking in a give, share, make kind of model. Mm. Um, I, I think the other challenge is going to be uh, raising up leaders yep. for the church. Yep. Uh, the opportunity in all of this is um, is right now the church is more open to change than it's ever been in my lifetime. Yep. Uh, and so new modes of operation, new methods of church. I think um, I think a lot of people have left the kind of traditional corporate church yep. because they're looking for a better expression of discipleship and family and connection. I agree. Uh, and so I think I, I think there's a lot of people who have stopped going on Sunday 
but are still looking for an expression of the church that looks like the early church and feels like family and feels like it, it, it it's a way to invest. So with every challenge, there's huge opportunities. So I think there's huge opportunities for us right now. Um, but I do think the church right now is deciding. I think nearly every church I'm consulting with right now is deciding whether they're going to double down on their methodology pre-COVID or whether they're going to innovate and create new things. Yeah. And my hope is that people are pushing out kingdom dreams and are dreaming again and are launching new initiatives and new things and are doubling down. I'm, I'm encouraging every church I'm working with to double down their investment in um, not just creating church planning networks, but creating networks of local business leaders who mm. are faith-driven people, entrepreneurship opportunities, um, double down in your investment in nonprofits and micro churches and these models of church that don't just revolve around a Sunday gathering. Um, because if the financing is going away, a lot of the methods of doing Sunday, paying pastors, paying large staffs, upkeep on a building, all of those kinds of things are going to be challenges that we can't sustain uh in the future and so it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out sure no Um, i I probably gave you way more than you wanted there jason no no no, man that's beautiful and 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 like i said going back to the beginning i don't think covid caused the word caused i think it did cause a few things but i think it revealed more than it caused it probably accelerated and revealed and so i came into west side in the first two years i was bivocational i worked at a funeral home as the in-house chaplain there and so i lived for two years with a growing church in the bivocational world and i've said from day one that in 20 years from now the career pastor who has a retirement and benefits and all of those things is slowly dying off. And what COVID did is it accelerated that. And so I think absolutely on the pastoral front, you're going to see a lot more bivocation. But at the same time, what we saw at our church was our core committed people realized what COVID revealed was a lack of healthy, sustainable rhythms in the relationship with Jesus Christ, that they de- mm-hmm. that they depended very heavily on what Sunday morning, what Wednesday night groups, and what community groups had to offer. And then when there was this three to four month period when you didn't have that, they realized, gosh, I'm not even. I haven't even read my Bible. Like, do I even really know how to daily, yes. sustainably Good. read and pray? And so, what we did as a leadership, we literally got our attendance index and our leadership team once a month. We broke it up into certain numbers. These people got twenty people. You know, you know, this board member got twenty people, and we just called people like and said, Mm -hmm. how are you? What can we do for you? Because we realized that the relational connection was waning at Westside, and what COVID did is it accelerated it just a little bit more. So, yeah, yeah, man, I would agree with all of that. But at the same time, I know you primarily work with pastors, and, and you love pastors, and you love the local church. And so you spoke a little bit about um, pastors, but you know, transitioning from what do you see in 10 years from now in the Big C Church, what do you see specifically with pastors? Because you know, you mentioned it. I mean, 
30% of guys resigned over COVID, over, uh, you know, the um, race conversation and then vaccine conversation. And then it was an election year. And it was, I mean, literally on a Sunday morning, I would have a conversation with somebody who would stay six feet away from me with a mask. They were wearing two masks and they were saying things like, when are you going to have just either an online service or a strictly mask service? And I would turn from that conversation and have a conversation with somebody who wasn't wearing a mask, who was unusually close to me. And then they were saying things like, you know, do you think this is fake? I mean, it was on a Sunday morning, I would have literally a dozen conversations with people that were all across the spectrum. Now, I love that, and I've always taken pride in the diversity of Westside. But I'll tell you what, during COVID, me loving that diversity was really tested. You know, it was like, okay, you said you wanted a diverse community of people. Well, here you go. And so when it comes to pastors, Ben, what do you see in in 10 years and five years specifically with lead pastors at local churches? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And I've experienced the same thing. I love Nate Bargatze has a bit where he talked about, he has friends that showered with masks on them <laughs> everywhere. And then he has friends that didn't even realize COVID was a thing. Yes. Like, oh, there's something happening. There's yep. something going on. hundred uh, percent. I feel like that's the world we all lived in. Um, you know, I, I'm encouraged by Hebrews 12 where it talks about, uh, once more, there will be things that are shaken, but the thing that will remain is the kingdom of God, right? Mm. The 12, Hebrews 12, 27, the, the, there are things that can be shaken and they will be shaken and they will be removed, but that happens so that the unshaken can remain. Amen. Uh, and I feel word. like that there's been a, there's been a shaking, uh, and there is an, there is, there are, there is the, the power of the kingdom still remains. The, yeah. the, the, the good news is still being proclaimed. All those things are still happening. Um, for pastors that I work with, I think one of the things that pastors are learning, um, I think pastors that try and appease everybody in their congregation and keep everybody happy and lead like a politician uh, are walking away from the ministry because they're realizing yep. that's not sustainable yep. and you cannot, you cannot lead that way and be a kingdom leader. Yep. Um, I think the challenge for pastors these days is spiritual leadership. Yep. It is the idea that I am an ambassador of Christ, which means I'm his spokesperson. And so there are times when ambassadors have to deliver messages that are hard and difficult. So the prophets of the Old Testament were not always doing fun things. In fact, it didn't turn out well for most of them. You're right. Uh, yes. So there's a lot of there's a lot of moments where I think in the last few years we actually had to deliver news that we didn't, we weren't excited about delivering Yeah, and we had to irritate people. I, I mean, I felt like I irritated everybody on any political spectrum sure. in my church Yep, yep. Um, because I'm talking about the Bible and they were talking about Republican Democrat. Yep. Uh, and so I feel like I was an equal opportunity offender um, <laughs> most, <laughs> most of the time. I love um, it. I love it. And so I, I, I feel like there is a recalibrating of what spiritual leadership looks like yeah. in a lot of pastors' lives these days. And it's understanding that uh, I'm not always going to be liked yep. uh, and I'm not always going to be popular. And if I'm going to be communicating what scripture really says, 
that's not always going to go well for me. Yep. Uh, and it's not always going to be fun. And it's not always just keep going up and to the right. So the up and to the right myth of the American church has been both our greatest strength and our greatest weakness. Yep. So it's allowed us to build really great things and it's allowed us to rapidly reproduce and be innovative and create lots of different programs and models and those kinds of things. The challenge for it is it's just not how things always work. Yeah. Um, the kingdom is full of ups and downs. And so there are seasons when uh, things aren't up and to the right. And if your theology teaches you that God's not present when you're not winning, uh, then that creates a really strange dynamic for you and your church. So if you always have to be popular and God's not around when you're not winning, everything falls apart when yeah. those moments happen. Yeah. And, and one, so I think that's, that's what happened for many. Sorry, go ahead. No. Yeah. One thing I would say to piggyback on that, I think every pastor, a hundred percent, you're spot on was confronted with that during COVID and to take it a step further. I think the pastors that were confronted with that and did some self-examination, I think now that's why we are seeing the rise of emotional health in leadership and in churches. Mm -hmm. And so guys like Pete Siscario, Rich Valotas, John Mark Comer, and these guys who realize, okay, when I preach the Bible and lead people, it's not always going to go well for me, but I have to be self-aware, self-reflective, and emotionally healthy in order to do this. What does that look like? And I think that's why you're seeing a resurgence of the shattering of the image of the pastor as CEO, um, all of this type of stuff, and really getting down to now the Eugene Peterson style of pastor as shepherd and just being mm -hmm. present with his people. I think that model, which ironically, obviously, is the model given to us in the New Testament, is the only thing that's going to be sustainable for the future, yeah. for the health of pastors yeah. and churches as well. That's really good stuff, Ben. Hey, listen, I know you said in the beginning there was this exciting new endeavor um, that God has sort of birthed in your heart and mind. And I have loved, man, I remember on a Zoom, I think it was just a coaching call, you just kind of said in passing like, man, there's really some stuff that's coming up and God's really stirring um, some things in my heart and mind. And, and you use this word dreams, like kingdom dreams and stuff like that. And lo and behold, now Kingdom Dreams Initiative is is fully launched. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that and what that is, how that birthed and, and how you're seeing God move in that? Yeah, it, it kind of birthed out of, so I am super apostolic, so I'm always <laughs> thinking about the future, yep. and I'm always dreaming, and I get, like, I get a, I get an adrenaline rush when I hear ideas, yep. uh, particularly ideas involving the church, so um, I've always been a wreck the roof kind of guy, of, yeah. let's dream about future ways to reach people, let's dream about what the church could be, let's dream about how we make the church both more faithful um, but also how we stretch and reach and expand beyond our kind of models that we've currently held. And so one of the things that we started dreaming about was just changing the metaphor from the church. Um, and what if the metaphor of the church became a dream factory mm. where we looked at every believer in our seats and started to say, there is a kingdom dream that is in your heart. Ephesians 2 says there's a good work that's been prepared for you in advance. That word is ergon, which mm. means occupation. It's, it, we, we read that as if it means like 
just helping an old lady cross the street or something. But it's actually, there is a, there is a kingdom assignment. There's a kingdom assignment that's been placed in your heart from your birth, from the moment you were alive. Amen. Come on, preach. What if if the church became a place where we wanted to unleash those dreams into the world? And what if the church became a place where we saw ourselves as a dream factory? So my job as a pastor is less about just preaching and delivering consumable spiritual goods and more about looking at the people that I've been called to shepherd and discovering the kingdom dream that's in your heart, helping you design your life around it, coaching development on how to launch that, and then deploying these kingdom dreams into the world. Yeah, man. Um, that's the heart of what we're doing, and that's what we're training in. And it's been up and down. There's sure. been challenges in it, and there's been good things in it. Um, we're we're realizing that a lot of entrepreneurs and spiritual dreamers are really attracted to what we're doing, and a lot of pastors are confused by what we're doing. <laughs> um, and so, I love uh, it. So I love it. We're we're working on kind of investing in both realms. So we want to invest in the spiritual dreamer. If you've got a dream that you want to launch, we want to invest in those people. We also want to invest in churches in training them. How do we create? these kinds of um, kingdom incubators inside Mm. of their church, these accelerators that are kind of launching kingdom dreams. Wow, that's that's kind of the method and model we're pursuing. But it's been super fun, man. We're really enjoying it. Yeah, and you know, when you say that entrepreneurs love it and pastors are confused by it, I just wonder if, and this is just speculation, you know, I could see, I think a lot of pastors um, were confused and didn't realize that they were building their own kingdom versus the kingdom of God. And so whenever something like KDI comes along, which is just about unleashing and empowering people, I mean, I, I, I hear in your language, I'm a theology nerd. I just hear like the priesthood of all believers. I hear just yeah, this absolutely. beautiful doctrine of you are, you know, the pastor's job is to equip you and unleash you to go out and do that. I could see where some pastors would almost feel like, man, that's threatening because that's not with this vision or yeah. quote unquote. Yeah, my... how is going to grow my numbers? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because because multiplication sometimes looks like loss when you send people out to plant a church. Your your best givers, your best leaders. You go. You know what? You need to go to the other side of Atlanta and do this. Mm-hmm. That that almost looks like a loss, but man, that is a kingdom focus there. So I love yeah, that, cool. man. That's beautiful, Ben. What about you? Um, all of these titles, man, I get so jazzed when I talk to you. And you're a local pastor. You got the KDI. You're doing stuff. You're talking to pastors. But, man, before that, you are a husband. You're a father. And even before those two crucial things, you are a disciple. You are a follower of Jesus, first and foremost. And so in this season of your ministry and this season of your life as a follower of Jesus, not the lead pastor, not the founder of KDI, but as a follower of Jesus, what is God doing in your heart and mind in this season? What's God stirring in you? Yeah, I think it's been... um it's been a real faith journey for me the last couple of years, uh, kind of leaving the organization that I was a part of and starting something new on my own. Mm. Um, it feels really vulnerable, uh, in a way where I was able to hide in the larger organization behind other people and other things. And it was kind of a group thing and this is kind of me. And so, um, it's felt kind of vulnerable and scary. Uh, I, uh, Hebrews talks about with, 
without faith, like nothing's possible. Yeah. Uh, and I wish it was a little less strict than that. I wish it said <laughs> without faith, you'd be a little less effective or something like <laughs> right, that. Right. Sure. Sure. Um, and so like, it, it has been a real faith journey for me of like, I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to do the thing that I think that I was created to do. And I'm going to faithfully kind of just start digging in the soil and see what comes up. And I'm going to trust that Jesus is at work in the midst of this Amen. and keep going with it. And so, um, you know, there are days where it feels like I'm waking up and I'm doing a lot of work that <laughs> doesn't, that it doesn't see a ton of fruit sure. right now. Um, and so it's just embracing the work of, I'm going to coach the people that are in front of me and invest in the leaders that are here and do the things that I've been called to and do my best to be faithful and trust that the Lord's going to work out all that other stuff. So for me, I'm really learning to just be obedient, like just Lord, what do you want me to do today? And just invest in those things, even when the returns aren't what I anticipated that they would be. Yeah. Um, to just keep being faithful. That's beautiful, man. I can, you know, I, speaking, when you said that you wished that Hebrews passage said something a little bit different, I feel the same way every time Jesus describes the kingdom of God. I'm always like, ooh, you know, when he goes, the kingdom of God is like, I want him to say the kingdom of God is like a lion or it's like this sword <laughs> or it's like, yeah. and, and he goes, yeah. um, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who spends all of this time tilling the soil and he just kind of casts some seed and it rains and the sun comes and <laughs> there's some, some crops, but then these crows come along and they, they snatch the, and it's this ordinary rhythm and ordinary yeah. obedience that I really have to check my heart and constantly get back to exactly what you said. What has God faithfully called me to today? in the here and now. And so um, I resonate with that big time, man. That's beautiful. Well, hey, listen, Ben, I want you to just, what would you tell um, the people of Westside? You've had the opportunity. Our people know you. You've preached in our pulpit before. But right now, just to our listeners, um, if there's one thing that you could tell the people listening today, particularly the people of Westside, what would you encourage them and and what would you tell them? Yeah, uh, I do love your your community, Jason, it's, it's been my honor to be there a couple times and get to spend, there's just a sweet spirit mm. among your people every time I'm there and, Amen. um, great hospitality and kindness every time that we're there. And so, uh, I, yeah, I don't know if Poplar Bluff would be my vacation destination, but I've loved being there. Every <laughs> hey, come time on, I've man. Come on. It's been amazing. And so I'm excited to get to come back sometime this year and connect again. Yes. Uh, I, I, I love your guys' focus on uh, it's all about Jesus. I actually have, I literally have the t-shirt. Yes, uh, yes. And I, and I wear it. Uh, and so I, I, I really would just encourage you guys to just keep going back to Jesus, mm. the author and perfecter of our faith, and keep going back to, uh, hey, Jesus, what do you have for us today? Yeah. And co-discern that together and just get after the things that Jesus has placed on your church's heart and pursue those things with everything that you have and love each other well in the midst of all of that. And I think that's where the fruit comes. It's just this obedience over time, as long obedience in the same direction of 
we're just going to keep taking our cues from Jesus and we're mm-hmm. just going to keep following him and we're going to trust, we're going to be faithful and we're going to trust him for the fruit and just keep investing there. So that would be my encouragement to you, Jason, and your team and all of your church. It's just keep going after Jesus hard. Yeah. Keep uh, being obedient to what he's asking you to do and keep being a light in your guys' community. Uh, there's so many amazing things that you guys have the ability to transform your community in ways that in Atlanta we don't. Mm. Um, the, because you're in a kind of smaller community there, there's so many different ways where you guys can make major, major traction on transforming your community that's really, really beautiful. And you guys are already doing some of that stuff. Yeah. So proud to call you friend, man. Proud that you guys are a part of the Grace family and so excited about the future together. Amen. Absolutely, man. We received that word, Ben. Hey, our people can find you on all social media platforms, just kind of Facebook, Instagram, all of that stuff. How can they get a deeper connection? Um, If somebody was listening and like, man, this KDI stuff, Kingdom Dreams Initiative, that sounds awesome. I would love to know more about that. How can they get some more information about that? Yeah, kingdomdreamsinitiative.com is the website. Um, And uh, that's all up there. It's got some general information about what we're doing. You can follow KDI again on Facebook and Instagram and those kinds of things. Um, there's some new resources that we just put out, uh, that are available and some new things that are fun that we're, you know, jumping into in the coming, uh, months. So yeah. yeah, just follow along there. Awesome, man. Love it, Ben. Hey, thank you so much, buddy. And we can't wait to see you this coming year here in Popper Bluff, Missouri, man. We love you, Ben. Yeah. Thanks, bud. See Ble- blessings, man. Wow, what a treat today on the rest of the sermon. Love that guy. Love what God is doing. And I'm just so grateful that God has got so many faithful pastors and uh, men of God like Ben Hardman um, across the world just expanding the kingdom. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening in today. Please follow along with us in the Advent journey. You can listen to all past sermons and also the sermon notes. So if you're a type A person and you love the notes and you're a nerd like me and you're like, what book did that quote come from? You can actually get all of the sermon notes on our website at westsidepb.org. So please check that out. You can get a plethora of information there. Also, you can tune in to our live stream on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook. Hey, we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please help us spread the word. This coming Sunday is the Kids Side at Westside Charlie Brown Christmas program. We are so jazzed about that, and it's going to be an incredible time. We love you. Thank you for tuning in, and never forget... It is all about Jesus. Blessings. Blessings.